You are listening to the Bellator Christi podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristi.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. a good buddy of mine, Jason Klein, he's a uh, hospice chaplain, and, and a lot of the chaplains will sing uh, to their patients, and I thought, well, I, you know, that, that probably wouldn't be my area of expertise, because if they're in hospice, they're suffering enough, and they wouldn't want to suffer more hearing my singing, so, you know, <laughs> you know, so anyhow, absolutely, God has a definite, uh, distinctive purpose for each and every one of us, and gives us talents to make His church what it needs to be, excellent lesson. Today, if you have your copy of God's Word with you, we want to ask, if you will, to turn uh, to the book of Acts as we're continuing our study through the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. And those who can and are able to, we would invite you to stand in honor of the reading and hearing of God's precious Holy Word. Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. If you remember last week, we were talking about uh, how Peter and John were preaching the gospel message in, uh, at the temple. And uh, they found this guy uh, at, this, at the gate called Beautiful uh, with this lame man. Uh, and so they healed this man in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The man was able to rise up and walk. Well, they get themselves in a little bit of trouble because of that, as we're going to find today in chapter 4. Uh, the, the Word of God reads, Now as they spoke to the people, the priests the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus 
the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them into custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. And this again is not counting women and children, 5,000 new believers. And it came to pass on the next day and their rule, that their rulers, uh, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means uh, he has been made well, let it be known to all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we shall be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed that a noble miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in, his, in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and what it means to us. And Lord, this morning we just simply ask that you would use me as your vessel, allowing me to speak the words that need to be spoken and holding back any words that don't need to be spoken. And in and through it all, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, and our hearts that will apply these truths and be better for it. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Growing up, they used to have the Saturday morning cartoons. You remember that? They had these, the Saturday morning lineup of some of the some, some wonderful cartoons that would come on. Sometimes they would show them in the afternoon, but as a kid, Saturday morning was a great thing because you had that whole morning to yourself on all these different channels watching these different cartoons that would come on. And I ne never will forget there was a cartoon that I used to love as a kid. It was He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Anyone ever remember that? Anyone? Tell me I'm not alone on this. Someone remember that? <laughs> Well, this uh, one guy, I guess I may be alone on that one. This one guy, his name was Prince Adam, and, and he was a guy who always sought peace, 
He always sought to do the right thing. He always uh, tried to abstain from violence. But if force was ever necessary, he would draw out his sword and he would look to the heavens and he would say, I have the power. And by that, at that point, he would transform into this big, physically fit, muscular dude. Oh, if it was just that simple to do that. He'd be able to reach up. Wouldn't that be nice just to reach up to the heavens and say, I have the power and lose every bit of body fat you have. Oh, that'd be so nice. <laughs> Boy, that'd be, a, that'd be a best-selling exercise plan right there, I'm going to tell you. But uh, this guy did this, and so he claimed to have the power, and this guy would turn to this big, muscular fellow and uh, would be able to stand up for justice and, and doing the right thing. Well, beloved, as I look at this character, I'm reminded that many of us as Christians have the same thing. Now, no, we're not going to have an instantaneous thing. We call upon the Lord, say, I have the power, and instantly change into bodybuilders and fitness models. It doesn't work that way. It'd be nice, but it doesn't work that way. But we do have a power greater than this, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit living inside us, powering, empowering us to do the things of God, to make a difference in this world, and to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Today we want to take a look at four ways that this power, this power of the Holy Spirit can use us to do great things. And we would encourage you to follow along with the in, in the insert of your bulletin as we go through these things. Now again, Peter and John and the disciples, they're preaching the Word of God. We see that already at least 5,000 men came to be Christians. There's probably more like by the time you count women and children, 15, 20,000 people who've come to faith. By the time there's a large number of people, there's a big revival taking place. And obviously the powers that be, those in charge of the temple, those in charge of the religion of the day, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the chief priests, the elders, they were threatened by this. Because the scripture says they were uneducated and untrained men. It didn't mean that they were illiterate or that they were stupid. It meant that they weren't trained by their schools. How was it that they were so knowledgeable in these matters? But the scripture goes on to say that they realized that these guys had been with Jesus. And Jesus had given them an education unlike anything that those rabbis could give anyone. That Jesus had empowered them to proclaim the message. So the first thing we see is that the believer has the power of authority in verses 1 through 10. That's the first thing that these, uh, the chief priests and the elders ask these individuals, ask Peter and John. They ask them, they say, by whose authority do you preach in the streets? In other words, they, and in this day and time, what would happen is that uh, a certain school would give uh, credence to a, a person to become a rabbi. And it would be uh, by a certain rabbi, like Rabbi Hillel and Shammai were two of the popular uh, rabbis of the day. They would proclaim in the name of this certain rabbi. And they would have the authority of that rabbi and, until they become to the, such prominence that they would be able to issue authority. And they're asking, by whose authority do you go out and you preach this in the, in the, in the streets? And Peter and John, and the, the apostle says, it's by the authority of Jesus Christ. The one whom you rejected, the one whom you crucified, the same one who God raised from the dead back to life, that's whose authority we have. Beloved, I will tell you today that we have the authority 
by the Word of God, but we have the authority by Jesus Christ Himself to go out in this world using the talents that we have to proclaim the name of Jesus and to teach people, to tell people that there is a better way than the world offers, that there is a way that leads to salvation, and that there's no other name by under heaven and on earth that someone could be saved than by Jesus Christ Himself. Dr. Falwell used to say, he says, it's, all, it's sometimes better to ask forgiveness than to ask permission. Now think about that. It's sometimes easier to ask for forgiveness than it is for, for permission. Because if we're always going around asking permission, then we're never going to get anything accomplished, are we? Now think about this. It makes sense. I had to really think about this when I first heard it. But if the disciples had went around asking permission of the chief priests and elders to preach in the name of Jesus, the gospel would have never been heard, would it? They had to claim the authority of God Almighty who had given them this the authority to preach to go out and share with the world that Jesus is Lord, that He had been risen from the dead. Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 16, 19 that they had the keys to the kingdom, that they had the authority to go out and proclaim to the captives, to set the captives free by the grace and the authority of God Almighty. And we have that authority through Jesus Christ who is ordained by God the Father as we are filled with the Holy Spirit to go out in this world and tell people there's a better way than the world offers, that there's a way of salvation found in Jesus Christ. We do have the power, the power of authority found in Jesus. Number two, with verses 11 and 12, we see that the believer has the power of salvation. Now understand here, we don't have the power to save anybody. Okay, I can't save you. I've heard preachers, sometimes preachers say, well, I preached a message and, and I saved so and so many people. Nope. If I save anybody or if you save anyone, they're still in their sins, aren't they? <laughs> We don't save anyone. It's only the Lord Jesus Christ who can save anybody. But in verses 11 and 12, notice they said that they tell that, uh, that this message that they provide is the message of salvation. And by that we have the power of salvation because we have the message of salvation. Notice in verse 12 he says, Nor is there any salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which men or by which we must be saved. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone is the, is the means of salvation. Again, uh, early teachers trained their disciples to know the message so well that they could easily transfer the message over unto other individuals. And that's what we need to do as disciples of Christ. Learn what we believe. Learn what the Bible teaches so we can go out and tell people that there is salvation found in Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. Now here's what happens if we don't do this. Here's what happens if we leave the message. Now understand, beloved, we must be loving people. Jesus tells us by, that by, by, by loving one another, that's how people can see that we are saved and that we belong to Jesus. If we lose the impact of love, we've lost our message. But if we've also lost the impact of truth, we've lost our message. Last weekend, uh, Grayson, when he wasn't in practice, uh, he watched the, for the first time the movie Titanic. Well, let me rephrase that. It's a three-hour movie. We watched about the last hour and a half of the movie Titanic. So we didn't watch all of it. But, but he was stunned as he watched this movie to see uh, how the crew of this, of this ship left, uh, left the passengers on the ship after they hit the iceberg. They abandoned the ship. There, were, there weren't enough lifeboats. 
There weren't enough life jackets. They completely abandoned them for, and headed for safety. Beloved, I would tell you that the blood of those people are on those individuals' hands. And even the creator, the maker of the boat, he, he himself said that this boat was so strong that not even God himself could sink it. Ironically, on the first voyage, it sank. Uh, so, 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 you know, he was a little too cocky, you might say there. But nonetheless, as we looked at this, we looked at how, how horrible it was, the fact that the crew left the passengers there aboard to sink in the midst of the waters. It dawned upon me that that is what we do as Christians. If we leave behind the message of salvation, that's what we do as Christians. If we fail to tell people about the love and grace and truth found in Jesus Christ, we, we abandon them to sink in the waters of sin when they can find out that there's a way of salvation. The lifeboat is Jesus Christ. He is the one who guides us to safety and to the Father's arms and to God's heaven. For, if we, for us to have an impact... We must take seriously the claims made in Scripture. We must understand that Jesus is the means by which we are saved and uncompromisingly proclaim that to a lost and dying world, letting people know that there is love found in Christ, there is grace, and there is forgiveness found in and through our risen Savior. Number three, the believer also has the power of defense. It's found in verses 13 through 16. Now notice that when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived uh, that this is back in 13, they, they perceived that they were untrained in their schools. They realized that they had been with Jesus. And it goes on to say that what the, the leaders had decided to do is that they were going to try to uh, severely threaten them back in verse 17 so that from now on no one will speak of the name of Jesus anymore. They were going to try to threaten them so that they would not teach and preach in the name of God. So they were, number one, stunned that the early disciples had such knowledge for individuals who weren't trained in their approved schools. Number two, they realized the teaching power of Jesus and the similarity that the disciples had with Jesus' teaching, knowing that they had, in fact, been in Jesus' presence. And isn't that such a wonderful thing? We should all want to know. We should all... In fact, we were talking about this uh, the other day. Grayson was telling me about one of his friends and uh, one of the girls in the, in the play that he's in. And he came to me and he says, Daddy, do you know she's a Christian? And, you know, we were talking about it and we said that by this person's walk, she didn't even have to tell us that she was a Christian. You could just see it on her. You could tell she had been with Jesus. And that's so true. So many times we can tell if a person's a believer without them even saying anything by their walk, by their talk, how they behave in, in life. We can tell when someone's been with Jesus and may we have that uh, seen in our lives that we've been in the presence of Jesus. Number three, the religious leaders were stunned by the power of God working through the disciples. And see, in the end, Peter defended the faith in verses 13 and 16. We see, uh, he says, uh, that whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you be the judge, he says. But we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and the things which we have heard. Beloved, I, I was listening to a podcast this past week, and there's a guy by the name of Larry Hurtado that's written a book recently. And says that we, although things in society are going, are bad, we need to understand and take hope that when the things are in society are at the worst, the church can become the strongest. 
Because he said it was in this day and time in the early church when they were in the minority that they were really the strongest. Because they knew what they believed and they knew why they believed it. Beloved, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the power not only to proclaim the, the, the truth of God's Word, but to defend it against false accusations. In fact, it's Peter who said in 1 Peter 3, 15-17, that in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. We need to know what we believe and know why we believe it, because God, through the Holy Spirit, will give us the words to say, and you just never know how God's going to use that to transform a person's life. God used me, uh, was, was used me, and it wasn't anything doing with me. It was all about God working through a conversation I had with a young man who was, who was at the verge of leaving the Christian faith. And when I just showed him uh, just a few of the defenses, a few of the evidences out there for the Christian faith, his father told me, his father thanked me, and I, I, said, I told him to give the credit to the Lord, but his father thanked me because he is more actively involved in church than he said he has ever seen him in the, in the past. And that's to the grace of God, to the glory be to God Almighty. So we have this power to be able to know what we believe and to defend it against false accusations. And last but certainly not least, the believer has the power of boldness. In verses 17 through 22 we see this. Again in verse 17 they were wanting to stop this movement before it got out of hand in their minds. And so they severely threatened them not to preach and teach in the name of Jesus. Now understand, we as believers, we need to try to get along with everyone as best as we can. And we, we, must, we must respect the positions of those in authority. That's what the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12. But if we are ever in a situation, there, there is an exception, if we are ever in a situation where we are required to recant our faith, then that is where we must ask what the higher power truly is. Amen? That's where we have to ask ourselves, where is the highest power? Is the highest power found in God or is it found in man? And in the end, we must say that the highest power is found in God. Because listen, these guys didn't want to get in trouble. They weren't trying to cause a ruckus. They weren't trying to cause problems. They were simply obeying the command of Jesus to go out and preach and teach people about the gospel, about the salvation found in Him, about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But this may mean that we may have to make some difficult decisions in life. I would love to tell you that we'll never have to face this. But we may have to face this one day where we have to make the decision to give up some of our comforts of life and, and, and stay true with God, or to, to give up our convictions and, uh, and, and stay true to the world. The, someone once asked a good question, and I think it's a fantastic question. If you were ever taken to a court of law, if you were ever taken to a court of law, and the judge laid out evidence to, try to, to, to seek to try you for your Christian faith, would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you of being a Christian? Very good question. If we are put on the stand, if we're put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence 
to, to convict us for being a Christian. Hopefully we will not be faced with these same circumstances that the early disciples were. However, if we are faced with that choice, we must make our decision now. For whom will we serve? For, to, for whom will we stand when that time should come? Will it be for Jesus? Or will it be, will it be for anything else? It's a difficult question, but it's something that God through the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to stand the power of boldness, which will by, by itself be a, the topic of our next message next week. Kenneth Gangle tells the story a few years ago how he was on the roster of speakers for the annual Moody Founders Week. The music program was led by Pastor Jim Reese of Canada. Now, Pastor Reese had a uh, son who suffered from mental retardation, and he wrote this song for his son. It says, Bloom where you are planted, God's sun still shines above. Bloom where you are planted, He showers you with love. Weeds may grow and winds may blow, but keep your head up high. And bloom where you are planted, keep growing toward the sky. The child of God has a power to bloom where they are planted, to, to do great things where they are. And beloved, what, that's, that's our calling, to, 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 to go forth, starting in Jerusalem where we are, and into Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world, preaching and teaching the name of Jesus, letting people know that there is salvation, there is grace, there is love, there is truth, found in the name of Jesus Christ. We have the power, found not in ourselves, but in, in the Holy Spirit residing in us, as the Scripture tells us, greater is He that is in us than he who is in the world. So just like that guy He-Man who was able to raise his sword up and say, I have the power, we don't have to raise a physical sword up. We can raise the Word of God up, the sword of, our, the, sword of the Spirit, and proclaim that we have the power, the authority of Christ, that the message of salvation found in Christ, that we have the boldness and we have a defense for our faith that no one can stand against. Beloved, we have the power to make a difference in this world. The question is, are we going to be willing instruments of God to be used to do great things for Him? With every head bowed and every eye closed. First and foremost, let me say that, that you can only have this type of power in your life if you have salvation found in Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me encourage you to come down now and receive Him before it's eternally too late. You may be saying here today, well, you don't know the things I've done. You know, as I've said before, I don't need to know those things. God does and He already wants to save you. So why don't you come and receive the salvation offered to you by Christ. And maybe you're here and maybe you've wandered from the path that God has for your life. We encourage you to come and, and, and re, re Reestablish your life in Him. Maybe, maybe to, um, to rededicate your life to Him. We encourage you to do that as well. Or maybe you'd like to come join the ministry of Huntsville Baptist Church. Whatever God is saying and doing in your heart, we just encourage you to come as the Spirit calls. The kind of gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word and what it means to us. We thank You for the power that You've given to us through the Holy Spirit of God. And Lord, we hope and pray that we will never be faced with a choice, that difficult choice, whether to stand for you or, or, to, or to stand for the world. But if we are, we ask, Lord, that we would stand for truth, that we would stand for you, and we would allow you to be the ultimate authority in our lives. 
Lord, have your will and your way in this time of invitation. Lead, guide, and direct. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. Would you please stand as we sing our final selection? Expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of bellatorchristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi podcast is a production of bellatorchristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Michaela Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childer saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. Our university was founded with a purpose a purpose that inspires us and drives us toward greatness. That purpose is our passion and we strive every day to pass this passion along to our students. It's purpose that defines us. It's not about what we do or how we do it. It's about why we were created, why we've chosen this path we believe there's a place where Christian values are cherished, where American traditions are upheld, and a world-class education can be achieved. That place is Liberty University. We come from all across the country. We bring with us a wide variety of dreams, but we're united by Christ, by our ideals, and by a genuine desire to make the world a better place. Each graduate leaves here equipped with the tools needed to make a difference. They leave here as doctors, as lawyers, as aeronautical engineers, but it was purpose that brought them to liberty. We believe in working from within. We believe in our purpose. We believe our purpose led us to become the world's largest Christian university. We believe that greatness and goodness are ends, not means. We believe in liberty. To find out more about Liberty University, go to liberty.edu or call 855-466-9220. Are you looking for something that will train you in Christian apologetics, but you don't have time to commit to a long-term program? Do you want to learn more about the philosophical, scientific, and historical reasons for the Christian faith? If you answered yes, then plan to attend the 25th National Conference on Christian Apologetics, entitled Defending a Faith That Thinks. It will be held October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina sponsored by Southern Evangelical Seminary. Among the speakers include Michael Brown, Norman Geisler, Gary Habermas, 
Ken Ham, Richard Howe, Greg Kokel, J.P. Moreland, SES President Richard Land, Jay Richards, Hugh Ross, Frank Turret, Jay Warner Wallace, and more than 30 additional speakers. Early bird pricing lasts until August 1st. For more information, go to conference.ses.edu. I plan to be at the 25th National Conference on Christian Apologetics. I hope to see you there. Once again, this is October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Go to conference.ses.edu. The National Conference on Christian Apologetics, defending the faith of things. Hi, Greg Kokel here for Stand to Reason. And at SCR, we have always cared about Christianity worth thinking about. And when I found out that the SES conference this year was about pursuing a faith that thinks, I realized that if you go to this conference, you're not only going to have the information you need to deal with people who challenge your convictions, you're going to have the information that will help you deal with the toughest critic you'll ever face, and that's you. That's why I hope to see you there at the SES conference, October 13th and 14th in Charlotte, pursuing a faith that thinks. Register now for the National Conference on Christian Apologetics by going to conference.ses.edu. Early bird pricing ends August 1st, so be sure to go and register now. Once again, that's conference.ses.edu. The National Conference on Christian Apologetics 2017, October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Pursuing a Faith That Thinks.